Hello, everyone. This is Harry Hillman from the MGO Fish podcast. Uh, taking Steve Ossentoski's place today is the lovely Aaron Brightman, the managing editor of On the Banks, the SB Nation Rutgers fan site. Uh, Aaron, how are you doing today? Very good. Thanks so much for having me. And uh, it's fun to actually talk about sports again. Absolutely. I was getting a little tired of not talking about sports and just banging my head against the wall looking at social media. So thought, why not talk some ball? So this is part one of my featured MGO Fish going through the Big Ten power rankings from 14 all the way to one. Uh, unfortunately, and I'm sure you probably saw this coming, uh, Rutgers football um, in easy 14th place. Aaron, <laughs> what, what has it been like being a Rutgers fan uh, the last four or five years? Well, uh, <laughs> that's a that's a interesting question. Certainly uh, or, or a good question. Interesting answer. You know, going back five years, 2014, first season in the Big Ten, Rutgers actually got off to a really good start. Eight wins, a bowl win. Um, actually, I'm sure Michigan fans want to forget that's the year Rutgers did actually win that game. I think but, they won um, in 2015. I don't remember 2014. <laughs> I get that a lot. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, it was pretty much downhill from there. Uh, the end of the Kyle Flood era, uh, who took over for Greg Schiano after his first tenure, ended really poorly um, in scandal off the field. Uh, just, you know, really under-recruited and left the program in really bad shape. Um, and unfortunately, Chris Ash just uh, was unable to pick up the pieces, uh, recruited even more poorly, really never established an identity with the team, and uh, it resulted in three wins the previous two seasons. So um, it's certainly been a long uh, haul. Uh, I, I, uh, I took over the site and, uh, since 2015 when it all went downhill. So I don't, I don't know if I'm bad luck charm or what, but... Um, you know, there's, there's certainly for the first time in a long time with the return of Shiano, there, there's certainly some hope uh, for the future. Um, not necessarily this season upcoming, but um, Rutgers fans are definitely uh, extremely happy he's back and uh, definitely know, um, you know, the positives that we will be getting from, from his team on the field, you know, as early as this season. Right. I, I've actually uh, had a soft spot in my heart for Rutgers. Um, I actually, the first college football game I ever went to was a Rutgers football game. It was um, when I was living in Michigan. Uh, my dad worked in the same office uh, in New York City as uh, Greg Schiano's brother, I think Chris. And so he got us front row seats to Michigan State Rutgers. This had to have been 2002, 2003. I think it was, was 2004. 2004? Okay. Yep. Cool. So it's right around that time, uh, can't remember who won. Uh, don't remember much, but I remember thinking, like, Rutgers is a pretty cool name for a school. So they <laughs> have a little soft spot outside of um, 2014. But even then, it helped us get rid of Brady Hoke. So. Uh, ju and ju just to clarify, uh, they did beat Michigan State. So Good. I figured Michigan fans would be Perfect. happy. Perfect. There we go. Go Rutgers on that one. Um, but, yeah, I was um, – to be completely honest, I was a little skeptical of – sort of the, the rush to, to bring back Shiano. Uh, I kind of felt like it was a misevaluation of where they stood in college football. Um, looking at it pragmatically for the next four or five years, there's probably three automatic losses on that schedule uh, just from divisional play. And I wasn't 100% sure 
if someone like Shiano, who built up Rutgers through a week in Big East, was going to have the same success. But what, what I've really liked that he's been doing is really taking advantage of the transfer portal as a way to get power five caliber football players in the door. Correct mm-hmm. me if I'm wrong, but it seems like there is an extreme lack of um, Big Ten caliber talent in uh, Piscataway. Would you say that's like fair? Or? I would. I would say that's extremely fair. Um, <laughs> I think uh, you know that was you know when when you don't have a uh, when the coaching can't develop players and mm-hmm. you don't have the talent to develop, it's a really bad combination. And that's kind of sums up the Chris Ash era. Um, you know, uh, I think his last two or three classes were you know in, around fifties or sixties nationally. Um, you know, 13th or 14th in the Big Ten, and, and that's just not going to cut it, uh, especially when, you know, every year his, his staff's turned over quite a bit, and he really didn't have the type of uh, assistant coaches that were, were able to get much out of the, the, you know, some of the talent they did have. Um, and I think for Shiano, you know, what he was always uh, strong at in his first tenure was he was able to tap in and, and, and not just, you know, recruit New Jersey better than any Rutgers coach ever has before or since, but he knows the type of players that are his guys. And I think that's key. He understands the type of players that he can get the most out of. Um, you know, he, he obviously, and I know coaches, it's a cliche. They like to say this, they love guys that love football, but he, he's able, you know, he, I mean, if you look at uh, Devin McCourty, you know, uh, mm-hmm. in the NFL, one, one of the best, you know, Patriots for the last decade. I mean, he was a two-star recruit. So that's a guy that Shiano found and developed. And, you know, the guy's had one of the better careers of, of, of really anyone you could hope for uh, in the last 10 years in the pros. So I think his ability, his staff's ability in the past to develop talent. And I think the coaching staff he's assembled right now is arguably the best coaching staff Rutgers has ever had. Um, and I think you're right with, with the grad, tra- or, excuse me, the transfers overall, they've been able to bring in, um, uh, five, uh, players across the big 10, um, and then some other, you know, pretty, uh, respectable schools as well. Um, we're still waiting on eligibility for next season, but, um, in terms of those decisions, um, but even you're seeing, you know, I, I, I think that the number one aspect, uh, key with Shiano that is paid off even more during uh, this situation with the pandemic, which no one obviously could have foreseen, was his built-in relationships in New Jersey. You know, he gave Rutgers credibility as soon as he walked back in the door uh, in terms of what he was able to do there the first time. Um, And I think he's shown that he's also adapted and learned a lot. I think his time, you know, obviously he had some um, setbacks in his career since he left Rutgers, uh, Tampa Bay. You know, Ohio State was a little bit of a, a mixed bag. Um, in terms of perception wise. Um, but I think that he's shown that, you know, he has learned a lot. And I think he, he's a, we like to call him a little bit of a kinder, gentler Greg Schiano this time. Um, he seems to value the overall uh, university and athletic department. Um, you know, he, he was known for in the Big East, he was recruiting smaller, faster guys, undersized guys that could um, you know, get the most out of their abilities, um, where now he's showing in this recruiting class, 2021, you know, he's, he's getting Big Ten size. He's getting Big Ten mm-hmm. uh, speed. Um, and we haven't seen that in, in quite a well, really, really ever since we've been in the Big Ten in terms of how they're recruiting. Um, so I think it's, it certainly uh, gives Rutgers fans reason for hope. 
Okay. I think um, I agree with you on a lot of what you said. I was actually um, kind of hoping that they would go somewhere with a more unique offense like Bob Sirachi up at Princeton. But luckily um, he mitigated a lot of that concern by bringing in Sean Gleason, one of Sirachi's former assistants. So I'm really excited to see what their offense looks like next season. Well, I think that's a great point because I, that was really the biggest question mark for Rutgers fans bringing Shiano back is what would the offense look like? Obviously, you know, um, he, he was able to really establish uh, very, very good defenses uh, in his first tenure at Rutgers. They were known for their defense. Um, but, you know, even during his first tenure, he started a run of the last 11 years. Rutgers had 11 different offensive coordinators. So um, and there, there was there was certainly some mishandling of quarterbacks. Um, during Shiano's first run. So that was, that was kind of the big concern with him coming back is, you know, would, would he be able to adapt to kind of the college game now? Um, and I think he showed bringing in Sean Gleason, you know, who, who led Princeton two years ago, um, you know, to an undefeated season. They had one of the highest scoring offenses in FCS history. Um, and then last year, you know, he was at Oklahoma State. And um, although that team had an up and down season, their offense was, was outstanding. Um, and, uh, I think his ability to uh, have, have a spread offense, obviously recruits, that's what they want. Um, and I think it's going to give them a chance, uh, and I'm, we'll probably get into personnel, but bringing in a guy like Noah Vidral from Nebraska, who's very familiar with that type of system, I, I, I think they're already showing an identity that they're building, um, which is something that offense has lacked for, for many years. Mm-hmm. Okay. So why don't we just hop into it right now uh, in terms of personnel, offensively at least. Um, I, I, the, the one transfer you mentioned, Vidral, the one transfer that really stuck out to me that I think really gives Rutgers the most upside this season is, is Peyton Powell if he's immediately eligible. Um, mm-hmm. I really liked Powell coming out of high school going to Baylor. The knock on him was always teams wanted to move him to receiver, to safety maybe to slot back. They weren't sure if he was quarterback size. Where I think that plays into advantage for Rutgers is just figuring out a way to get your best athletes on the field, especially right away, to see what sticks. I really like Bo Melton. I really like Isaiah Washington. They haven't really had much of a shot the last couple years. Is it fair to, to call the Arter Sitkowski uh, tenure uh, probably over? Uh, I would think so. I, uh, and I do agree with you, Powell. I think, I, you know, I, I think it's going to be interesting to see where he fits in right away. You know, I could even see a scenario where they kind of mix him in a little bit uh, with withdrawal, um, you know, a little bit of a, a combo situation maybe where they bring in Powell on third down. I really do think withdrawal will, will get every opportunity to be the starter. He's a grad transfer but has two years of eligibility, which I think is key. Um, he has a lot more experience. You know, he has actual Big Ten experience. Mm-hmm. So, um, But I, I could see Powell being the backup or, and, and kind of playing in multiple roles. Um, but, yeah, I think uh, Sikowski, you know, it, while he, it's, it's ironic because his last two games last season, um, you know, before the Michigan, he, he looked pretty good. Um, he played as well as he had. Um, you know, it was really kind of unfair to him his freshman year. He really got thrown to the Wolves. Um, but it's also clear he's not a fit for the new offense. Um, he's not a mobile quarterback. He's a traditional, you know, uh, drop back uh, passer. So 
um, while they're, you know, publicly saying it's a competition and all that, I, I would be very surprised um, if he played much at all uh, next season and, and probably, yeah, would be his, his last, uh, last stand at Rutgers. Okay, so you, you fully believe Noah Vidral is going to have every opportunity uh, out of the gate to win the job? I do. I think, you know, his experience under Scott Frost, you know, obviously, uh, you know, he, he was uh, – it, it didn't work out for him in terms of leaving Nebraska. But I think a big part of that from what um, uh, someone in Nebraska had told me was that he really needed the spring practice to kind of challenge for the starting job. And when spring practice got canceled, I think he, he said, you know what, let me, let me find another uh, landing spot. Um, you know, and he followed Frost from UCF. So obviously they had a good relationship. You know, he understands that type of offense. I think that's something similar Leeson's going to want to do. And I think Rutgers is going to have to, you know, have a quarterback that can run uh, right off the gate because the offensive line is going to take a long time to, to, to fix. Mm -hmm. um, you know, but like you said, they have athletes. You know, Washington and Melton, they have to find a way to get them involved. I think Melton, you know, it's, it's, it's been kind of tough to watch because I think he's a lot of talent. He's a good kid but he just hasn't been utilized right. Um, and I think, you know, one player we haven't talked about yet, who I think is underrated as well, is Isaiah Pacheco. Oh, we were um, going to get to Pacheco. I'm a big <laughs> All fan. right, well, if you want me to wait. But I think that, yes, I, I, I think right off the bat, there's confidence in Gleason and Shiano that they're going to they're, they're um, cater the offense to the talent they have. And that was a very frustrating part of the Ash era is that you, you knew there was some individual talent at the skill positions, but they were never able to utilize them. And uh, so I, I, I think right off the bat, we, we see with Gleason, I, th I think they're going to find a way. Obviously, it was difficult. No spring practice. They just got back to campus on Monday. Um, but, you know, like I said, a lot of the staff that, that Shiano's built, they've worked together before. Um, you know, Fran Brown is uh, recruited Powell to Baylor. Uh, when he was at Te uh, Temple and then Baylor under Matt Rule. So he, has, he knows Powell really well. Uh, he's a, our def uh, secondary coach. But my point is there's a lot of familiarity um, with the staff amongst themselves. They've worked together before, but also with the personnel they have. A lot of the guys they've brought in, they've had previous relationships with. Okay. So there's – so just – so we're clear. So there's a level of understanding that's – that's already there within the coaching staff and a lot of personnel that sometimes you might not see with basically an overhauling of the staff coming in. Yeah, definitely. Uh, Gleason brought in Andrew Arich, who took his place at Princeton uh, as the offensive coordinator the last year. He's going to be the offensive line coach. So you have continuity right there. Nunzio Campanelle, who uh, was the interim head coach last year, has known Shiano for a long time. Um, and he knows the personnel on the roster up and down. So he's going to be an asset. Uh, and then you have on the defensive side, I mean, pretty much the whole staff's worked together in some capacity before. Um, you know, uh, Bob Fraser has worked with Shiano, I think, the last 15 years, every stop he's been at. Jim Padnagos, um, the defensive line coach, who, who is a very, very good coach, was at Minnesota last year um, because he had that relationship with P.J. Fleck when they worked at Rutgers. Um, Fleck worked under Shiano uh, years ago so he's back now he actually coached under flood right after Shiano left but there's continuity there as well so there's there's a lot of um, yeah there's even though they're a new staff and it's a new system I think you know they're I wouldn't say it's an advantage obviously being in this situation not having spring practice but I, I think they're certainly in a position to um, you know 
not be as hindered as maybe on paper people think being a brand new staff. I think they'll come along faster than people uh, would expect. Okay. Now moving to Isaiah Pacheco, he was someone that, that when I watched Rutgers, he was one of two players that, that really popped out for me. Him and uh, Raheem Blackshear, who is off to Virginia Tech, I believe. Yes. Uh, Pacheco a, going to be a true junior. Is that correct? Yes. So he, he's kind of done a little bit of split duty with, with Blackshear. Do you think he is capable of carrying the load uh, for an offense, or do you think they're going to have to utilize him a bit more in space? Uh, I, I think he's, he's certainly, um, you know, <clears throat> he's much more of a straight, straight runner, uh, bruising running back. You know, Blackshear was more the shifty, crafty guy on the outside that was better in space. It'll be interesting to see if this staff does find a way to use Pacheco a little bit differently. But I think, you know, his size, his, um, his durability, his attitude, you know, he, he's, a, he, he's an in-the-trenches type runner. Um, you know, it was actually two years ago, and, and I don't mean this in any disrespect, but he had that. five yards. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I think it was the longest run against Michigan that season, and that was an amazing Michigan defense. So, um, you know, he, he has the talent. Uh, again, he's had a terrible offensive line. He's had um, terrible quarterback play. And he still averaged, you know, last year he averaged 4.3 yards a carry. The year before he averaged right around five. Um, you know, so with, with, with more help and I think uh, better game planning, I, I'm really excited to see what he can do. Um, you know, he's, he's shown his loyalty through all this as bad as things got last year. You know, uh, and, and Blackshear took a lot of heat um, for, you know, stopping play after, after that Michigan loss and redshirting. Um, you know, Pacheco was like, you know, I, he would never do that. Uh, so – uh, fans love him, and I think uh, the staff's going to love him. And, and he certainly is, a, I think, a Big Ten caliber running back. And um, I'm, I'm very excited to see what he can do. I think with Vidral, you know, they're, they're going to be – you know, listen, they're, they're going to pose some problems, I think, for, for defenses. Um, and I think the, the game planning is going to be key on how they switch that up week to week based on the opponent. Okay. Cool. What – so if I were to tell you – Let's, let's say the best-case scenario, looking back on, on the Rutgers offense, what, what would you see if everything were to break correctly? <laughs> uh, well, I mean, we're so used to su such uh, putrid uh, offensive production. But I think, you know, a, a big part of the problem the last two years was that the offense just was unable to produce even sustainable drives. And it really put a uh, strain on the defense where in, you know, certain big 10 games, the defense played pretty decent the first half of games. And then you got into midway, the third quarter and the defense just crumbled uh, because the offense was not, you know, four, three and outs in a row or what have you. So um, I think, that they're going to they're gonna be able to um, produce some, some more uh, lengthy drives. You know, I, listen, I would love for them to average. I, I know it sounds pretty pathetic, but if they, if they could get, you know, around the 20-point range a game uh, in conference play, that's going to give them a chance. And I think, you know, there's a lot of confidence that the defense will be a lot better. Um, you know, uh, Shiano has a clear philosophy. Uh, the staff really knows each other on the defensive side, even more so than the offense. So, I think that, you know, the, the offense more or less, you know, and, and turnovers, of course, you know, with any team, but has really killed Rutgers in the past. Um, so if they can minimize mistakes and really just honestly, if they could be close to average, it would be a huge upgrade. Okay.
Well, now shifting over to the defensive side of the ball, uh, I actually agree with you. There were uh, a few games where I was um, pleasantly pleased with, with how Rutgers was playing up until about the midway part of the third quarter. It seems like they were consistently down three to ten points, and then the bottom really fell out um, because they just seemed outmanned and out-fatigued defensively. Um, yep. What what kind of philosophy is Shiano looking to bring defensively? Well, he's a much more aggressive play caller uh, than Ash was. Um, you know, the frustration of Rutgers fans is that the, the, the Rutgers defense under Ash just really never never tried to generate any pressure, let alone, you know, they, they relied way too heavily on the front four, which just, you know, they were undermanned, undersized, under-talented, were never able to generate much pressure um, and much push uh, against opponents' offensive lines. And they basically would just get picked apart uh, in coverage. Um, and I think with, with, with Shiano, you're going to see a much more aggressive style. You're going to see uh, a much more diverse uh, game planning. You know, I think you'll see him utilize a lot of different uh, formations. Um, you know, in the past, he, he, he was a, a 4-3, but, you know, there's talk they might try to switch it up a little bit. And I, I think you just even see week to week, you know, based on some of the personnel they have, guys that can play hybrid positions. Um, I think you'll see a, a lot more, um, you know, just different looks even throughout the game, I think. Um, but, but for sure, you're going to see more pressure. You're going to see um, actual called uh, blitzes, which, to be honest, during the Ash era, it, it never happened. And um, I think that was a big frustration to Rutgers fans. Uh, the, the defense was never able to generate um, any momentum or, or, or much uh, in terms of takeaways. So Gianna's teams were known for takeaways, known for disruption, um, you know, and, and uh, with special teams as well. So you'll see a much more aggressive approach. And I think, like I said before, you know, the, it, although the talent is not there across the board depth-wise, you know, there is some talent in certain positions. And I think that they'll be much better prepared um, to, to make an impact against their opponents week to week. Definitely. And, and I noticed they, they brought in four transfer defensive linemen uh, last class. Uh, Michael Dwumfor um, from Michigan, who we all yep. know and love, who is the only one that I believe is immediately eligible right now. The other three, are they pending or will be a sit one? Yeah, it's, it's, um, I, I think that pretty much all of them are trying to get eligibility, but none of them are guaranteed. And, and I think with everything that's been going on, there, there haven't been any answers in terms of uh, who's going to be eligible or not. Uh, and I think that's, you know, obviously going to be huge in terms of uh, how they're able to game plan and uh, the depth at that position, because right now the defensive line, you know, there's not a lot of depth. Elon Loomer, you know, who was their sack leader, which, you know, isn't saying much because they didn't have that many, but he, he left early for whatever reason for the NFL draft, wasn't drafted. Um, you know, the, the, uh, it really their linebackers have the ability to be, I, I think will be the, the best group on that defense, but it's all going to depend on who is eligible. And uh, I think that they're deep, their linebackers, because they're deeper, I think they'll switch up fronts quite a bit. Okay. Well, what what would you say the the so would you call the linebacking core the biggest strength Rutgers has right now? Uh, yes, I would. Um, you know, you have uh, Tyshawn Fogg is going to be a senior. He's a former four star recruit. He was a captain last year. Um, you know, he's uh, 
you could argue he's underperformed in a way. Um, I think, you know, he's had a real heavy load to carry. He hasn't had much help. So um, he's definitely a guy I'm really excited about to see how he does. Um, you know, in the secondary of Trey Avery, who came from Ohio State, Shiano recruited him there. He uh, was hurt last season. Um, and I think he's going to be a guy that, that will have a much better season. Uh, you have a guy in uh, Hayes, excuse me, uh, Aaron Young, uh, who had a really good freshman year and kind of got beat up last year uh, and, and outplayed. So I think, you know, with the right coaching, he's going to be better. But um, uh, Okaluni uh, Fadusaki uh, is a linebacker that's very good um, and had his moments. And I think uh, across the board, uh, just talent-wise, size-wise, I think that's where you'll see Shiano try to mix things up because they, they have six or seven guys that, that can play, um, you know, uh, at, at slightly varying levels, but, you know, could, in the right position could hold their own, I think. Okay. Cool. Any love for uh, Drew Singleton in there? Uh, you know, it, it, <laughs> it's funny. Uh, that fame class from New Jersey, when Michigan got those seven guys that year, uh, you know, they were all heavily recruited, highly recruit, uh, rated guys, and Rutgers fans were really upset about it. And it's, it's actually been kind of sad, to be honest with you, to see how none of them really uh, amounted to much, or not many of them. Uh, obviously, um, uh, and I'm forgetting uh, – Sean my Yeah, Gary, obviously. But I guess you could argue he, he maybe underperformed a little bit. It depends who you ask. I, I thought he was played a little out of position but played well. Plenty of fans think he stunk. Yeah, there's there's that side of the fan base. But um, but yeah, I, I listen, you know, I, I, I basically put it this way. I'm not expecting anything. So anything they get out of him, I think would be a bonus. Um, and I, I, I think it'll be interesting to see. I, I, I think for sure, you know, Shiano is going to be able to identify guys that they have that maybe, you know, weren't even given an opportunity at a certain position. So I think we'll see a lot of guys change positions on the defensive side of the ball and he, he'll he'll so singleton's a guy i think has a little bit of versatility with his size so you know who knows where he ends up but but yes the defensive line for sure is the biggest hole on that defense and they're going to have to figure out a way to generate pressure somehow okay so if you were to take a look at, at rutgers's 2020 schedule let let's put this in three different ways if you were uh the most optimistic guy in the world what's the record what would you predict? And if the like, if everything fell out the bottom, what are they doing? <laughs> well, uh, I think you know, if everything put it this way, I would say this: I don't think there's an easy game on the schedule for them, um, and that includes Monmouth, mm -hmm. uh, which might be a little sad to say, but you know, Monmouth was an FCS playoff team last year. Oh, yeah, I think seven wins. They did, yeah, playoffs. and they're a New Jersey team, so you know, you know that they're going to be looking. You know, they're, they're going to come. Uh, it's, it's their Super Bowl. So they're, they're going to play there as hard as they possibly can. That's the opening game of the Shiano era. So that's, that's not an easy first, first game, in my opinion. Then they have Syracuse and Temple, Temp, you know, two former Big, uh, Big East uh, foes. Um, they recruit against each other a lot. Uh, Syracuse obviously had a little bit of a down year last year, but Dino Babers has been there, you know, a few years now. So, um, you know, they, they have to be favored in that game. And then Temple – at Temple will not be an easy game at all. So to answer your question, I think if all the, all things played out well, to be honest, I, you know, could they get to five wins? I don't know. Uh, I think realistically four is probably the ceiling. Um, 
But I think if they got to three, I think, you know, that might, it's going to sound sad, but Rutgers fans should be happy with that. Um, but no matter what happens this season, I think it's all about the, the groundwork being laid um, and uh, what we're seeing Shiano do, just in terms of changing perception, messaging. I think we know for sure you're going to see a team that plays very hard, that plays together, that plays for each other, um, that, that will overachieve at times. I think, you know, they'll, they'll probably give a blue blood a little bit of a run. I think that's, that's really going to be a key measurement for Rutgers fans is, you know, are they more competitive against the best teams in the Big Ten? Because as you know, in the last few years, um, they've been uh, just absolutely embarrassed and blown out um, pretty much right away. Um, and, you know, Shiano, even in his second year, uh, I believe it was 2002. Yeah, I remember they hosted number one Miami at the time, and they had the lead in the fourth quarter, and that was a terrible Rutgers team. I think they won two games that year, but, you know, they had the number one team in the country on the ropes in the fourth quarter. So, you know, that's the type of team that Shiano builds. Um, you know, he, he's, to be honest, with you, they, they typically overachieve um, when they have a lack of talent. And then once they get the talent, they, Rutgers fans will argue, you know, there were some missed opportunities uh, in a few of his seasons where you felt like they should have done more than they did. But they always play hard, and they always seem to be well-prepared. The biggest question about Shiano has always been X's and O's on game day um, from a Rutgers fan perspective. But I think that this season, you're going to see a much more competitive team. Um, but realistically, I think two to three wins is, is what you're looking at. You know, I, I, could they just win one game? It's possible. I think, you know, obviously it's a very difficult situation. Um, they haven't had any time at all to work together. Um, but I, I do think because they'll play hard and play together, I, I, I see no worse than two, but probably not much better than three. Okay, I actually have them going uh, two and ten this upcoming year, which, like you said, even if I were a Rutgers fan, I think if I could lock in two and ten with one of the two being a, uh, a conference win, I yeah. think I would lock that in right away strictly for the, the proof of concept where if Shiano is able to come in immediately and change the perception get a conference win and add that to the results that he's already shown he can establish at Rutgers it could give him a really good landing strip for his first recruiting class in state maybe enticing more guys to stick around and overall raising the talent level I uh, totally agree I think I do think they'll get by Monmouth. They're uh, they lost their quarterback and their top two running backs. So I do think Rutgers will squeak that one out. And I really do think um, the two games I have circled: Illinois and Indiana. Uh, they're they're two inconsistent teams that are a little bit better than Rutgers. But uh, I think Indiana's homecoming. Yes. Everything I know about Shiano, that's a game where I think that he's going to try and make a statement. Illinois has had some games they come out extremely flat, coming across halfway across the country to New Jersey. I think both of those have the potential to be wins. So I, I'd call it two and ten, but the it really does look like the groundwork is being laid, uh, especially in terms of recruiting. Yeah, I agree with you. I, I do think those are probably their two best opportunities to win uh, in the Big Ten next season. And I think it is important to um, get one Big Ten win after, after the last couple of years. Um, that would be uh, a statement. Um, and I think those are probably their best shots. Um, and in terms of recruiting, yeah, for sure. Um, it, it would help strengthen his message 
Um, but like I said, you know, his relationships with high school coaches in New Jersey is as strong as it gets. Um, and they, you know, have, I mean, they're selling the program for him uh, just in terms of educating recruits on what he was able to do. You know, listen, before Shiano took over, and I'm dating myself here, but, um, you know, I was a Rutgers student from uh, 96 to 2000. So I was at the end of the Terry Shea era. They won eight games in four years I was there. So when Shiano took over, Sports Illustrated had an article. The cover was, you know, should Rutgers get rid of football? So that's how bad Rutgers was back then. I understand they weren't in the Big Ten, but um, he really was is considered a miracle worker by many people. Um, so he has that built-in credibility. So I think, yes, a Big Ten win, you know, two or three wins, four wins would don't do wonders. It would certainly speed up recruiting, but I think even if, you know, they only win one, I think the message is going to be it's just year one, um, and, and he's going to do it over time. Okay. I would say a big thing is avoiding some of those um, Chris Ash era 50 and, and 60 point blowout losses. There was, I think, a stat where I think Ash had more 60 point losses than he had conference wins in his four years. Uh, that's, yeah, I, I've tried to black out uh, all, all my uh, memories of that era. Uh, and I, I wrote a few scathing articles towards the end, but. Um, that sounds about right. I, I, I believe there was um, there was at least a dozen 40-plus point losses, probably none worse than that embarrassment at Kansas, uh, you know, at the start of the 18 season. But, um, yeah, they, I mean, they were – like I said, it wasn't just against the Michigans of the world. You know, they lost like 41 points to Kansas. So, um, when Kansas is considered the worst Power 5 team in the country for years and you lose to them by 41 points – um, you, you're pretty much the worst team uh, without without debate. I, I would happen to agree with that. So you would call that worse than the um, the 78-0 game? I do. I do. I think, um, you know, obviously you never want to lose by that amount. Um, but listen, you know, they, they, they weren't going to win that game. Uh, you know, going to Kansas in that moment was a key – key part of the Ashera. If you wanted to turn things around, they had to win that game. And for them to lay an egg as much as they did and basically quit on them and quit, quit in the game. It was, it was very embarrassing, very disheartening. And, and that was, that was when me personally and a lot of Rutgers fans felt like it was, it was over. It wasn't that Ashera was never going to happen. That was, I believe game two or three of his third season. Um, and that was apparent that uh, he was overmatched. And uh, the team just w w was was a mess. And uh, that really was kind of the, the beginning of the end. Okay, now shifting over to recruiting a little bit. Um, I was looking through, and on, on 247, right now Rutgers has uh, verbal commitments from three of the top 11 players in state. And her crystal ball at 100% for, for two of the other ones, uh, Gino Vandemark and Audric Estime, Estime. Yes. Um, so has there been a significant uptick in, in the prospects showing interest in, in Rutgers from that end? Are these guys that maybe would have picked Rutgers regardless, or are these guys that Chris Ash was never going to get that Shiano is able to flex his reputation a bit? Yeah, it's a great question. Um, yeah, a lot of these guys – I don't think Ash would have gotten. I think a lot of them, Shiano's getting a reputation. Um, you know, he did make a key hire um, 
in uh, Augie Hoffman. Uh, who's going to be on the offensive side. He's a, he's a very well-known, very well-liked, uh, very successful New Jersey high school coach who happened to be the coach last year for Gino Vandermark and Audric Estime. So that's a big reason why uh, Rutgers is favored to get them. But he has relationships all over the state as well. You know, Nunzio Campanile, who was the interim coach last year, he's a former uh, very successful high school coach in, oh, yeah. uh, in New Jersey. Obviously, you know his brother well who we thought was going to come back and be the defensive coordinator. That's what but we thought. Yeah, that's a, so that was a little bit surprising, um, especially where he actually ended up. Um, but I guess that's another conversation. Uh, but, um, you know, so – and then you have a guy like Fran Brown, um, who's recruited South Jersey. The big thing with Rutgers is, you know, North Jersey, those parochial power schools, all the Blue Bloods have recruited them so well for so long. The Michigans, Penn States, Notre Dames. Um, so Rutgers is really starting to get in there. Uh, and then South Jersey has, has been a miss for a long time. And Fran Brown has been a, a, probably the best South Jersey recruiter in college football the last five years. So the fact that they have that combination, they've really been able to, to make a play in New Jersey um, really strongly. Um, and I think that's, that's the key. You know, listen, New Jersey is always going to be on the top 15 states, I think, year after year with recruits. Um, you can't just recruit New Jersey to be successful, but you know if Rutgers can get ten of the top twenty-five guys in New Jersey year after year, it's going to add up, and that's what Shiano did his first time, uh, and that was a real big key to why he was able. You know, his last recruiting class at Rutgers was, was ranked twenty-fourth in the country, and it was heavily uh, New Jersey. Um, you know, another area Shiano always recruited really well at is Florida. Um, he's picked up several guys in the two thousand twenty-one class from Florida. Um, and, you know, he's shown now with his, uh, you know, experience at Ohio State, he's, he's going after Ohio quite a bit now. Um, you know, he, he's been a fan of going to these talent-rich states and picking off those second- and third-tier guys that, you know, the Blue Bloods aren't taking. Um, but you, as you know, you know, listen, uh, uh, top 100 recruits in Florida are all Power 5 guys. So if Rutgers can get a handful of them each year to complement their, their strength in uh, – New Jersey, um, you know, they could really, really add talent to the roster pretty quickly. I think it's going to take three years but um, to really see the gains. But I think you're seeing right off the bat, like you said, um, you know, the progress they made in New Jersey with the 2021 class has been pretty dramatic. Now, yeah, that, that's sort of a similar situation as, as to what Michigan was facing in terms of the state of Michigan isn't a quality enough state as a whole to sustain a highly competitive FBS program, but the state of Michigan plus the New England region plus a couple prospects from Florida plus a couple guys from Ohio, it really did start adding up into a highly talented uh, roster. So what would you say is the, the most encouraging thing that you've seen from Rutgers or Greg Schiano since he was rehired? That's actually a tough question in, in the sense of there's been a lot of real positive things to see. But I, I, I think obviously recruiting is important, but I think at the end of the day, the staff that he's been able to build, the credibility he has um, brought back to the program, changing perception right away. But, but that staff he's built, I think that they're going to be together for a while. And I think that's really key 
in him being able to establish continuity and build a solid foundation. You know, when he was at Rutgers the first time, he really groomed a lot of, a, a lot of good coaches. Um, you know, Mario Cristobal, uh, P.J. Fleck, guys that are very successful uh, Power 5 head coaches now. Um, and I think he's got a really good blend of some veteran guys and some young kind of up-and-coming uh, coaches that, that, that are going to end up being very good coaches down the road. So um, I think he understands – um, what he needs to do uh, to make Rutgers successful in the Big Ten. And I think that he, you know, he, he, a big thing he harped on was, I, I think, his approach. You know, by bringing in the staff that he has, he's, he's admitting that he needs to delegate more. He needs to be more of that, uh, you know, he, he, he was known as a micromanager, hands and everything. Um, and he realizes now, um, and I think he's showing with the staff he's built, that he's going to entrust them a lot more. And he's going to be able to handle things that, maybe uh, he didn't handle as well his first time at Rutgers. And I think we'll, at the end of the day, make the program better. So I think, I, I know it's a long-winded answer. The, the staff is the most encouraging thing, but it really leads to the fact that you believe that Shiano's kind of learned from his previous mistakes. Um, I think he's a smarter and wiser, uh, you know, we call him Shiano 2.0 or whatever. But uh, I, I think that um, no one understands how to win at Rutgers better than him no one ha would have come in and made the recruiting impact and brought the credibility other than, you know, obviously a handful of, you know, famous coaches. Uh, I really don't think they could have done better. And I think in the situation that the world is in right now, it's, you know, been a benefit to them. Uh, I mean, they already have 21 recruits uh, in this class. I think, you know, if, if, if you didn't have a guy like Shiano with the relationships he had, they would have been in really bad shape right now. But I think his, his, his ability to adapt to, to show that he's learned and to have a different approach this time, I think it's going to be an asset in the long run. And I think that staff, um, you're really going to see a professional staff that this program hasn't had in years. Do you think this is Shiano's last coaching stop? I do. I do. I think that he, um, and he, he said as much that he regrets, in a way, leaving. <clears throat> I don't think he regrets why he left um, for an NFL head coaching job. It's hard to, you know, fault him for that. But I think, you know, Rutgers fans look at it as a big what if. And I think he, you know, uh, this is, uh, he, he could have been at Rutgers 25, 30 years and, and there would have been a statue built of him. I think this is, he realizes he still has a chance to do that. If he can put together 10 to 15 years of, you know, making them a, a really good Big Ten team. I mean, and, and I don't want to get ahead of myself. I think the biggest thing with Shiano is we know the basement's going to be raised quite a bit. I think mm -hmm. the ceiling is debatable. Is he going to ever bring them close to a Big Ten title? I think it's hard to say. I think for sure six to eight wins year after year is certainly, uh, I think, realistic with him. Um, above that, it's hard to say. But I think, um, you know, if anything, he'll, he'll – I think he's determined to restore his reputation in a sense as a coach. You know, he could say he was the only coach to ever win at Rutgers, not once but twice. Um, I think, you know, to, to do it in the Big Ten is a whole different level. Um, and I think he's really motivated to do that. So I think he's, you know, and he's a New Jersey guy. Um, you know, he's from Wyckoff originally. Uh, so I, I think this is his last stop. And I think this is, this is he, he looks at it as an opportunity to really, I don't want to say rebuild, because I still think his legacy is pretty solid, at least at Rutgers. But, um, you know, I, I think he has a chance to really cement his legacy across college football if he can make Rutgers a winner again. Okay. And, and something that you touched on that, that I found, really interesting from from the Rutgers perspective is is really the short end of the stick that they get 
in terms of their ceiling because it, it does feel like there is more of that built-in ceiling for Rutgers because of how unfair college football really is in terms of three games every year against Michigan, Ohio State, Penn State. Um, Michigan State, while they were awful, um, has, in my mind, a, a higher floor and a higher ceiling consistently. And it's really, especially at the beginning, trying to find wins wherever you can get them. And have you heard anything or do you know anything about whether – I know Rutgers has quite a few Power 5 opponents scheduled non-conference. Is that something that they plan on uh, continuing with? Or are they may be looking for avenues out of those games to get teams that they can use to stack that wins number a little bit easier? Uh, it's a really good question. I, I think, you know, I, I – one compliment I will give Ash is I think that he's scheduled the non-conference pretty well, uh, you know, in terms of the future, um, playing regional games, playing games that fans care about. You know, uh, one thing that Flood was criticized for, he scheduled a lot of games against the Pac-12. Um, you know, those are, those are really uh, difficult games from a travel perspective, especially at the beginning of the season. Um, you know, and, and uh, they were playing, you know, teams that were high-powered offenses that they had really were not doing well against. I think playing regional teams, teams like Temple, Boston College, Syracuse, even Virginia Tech, who's on the schedule, old Big East teams they've played. You know, I, I don't really think the talent level is going to be that different. I think it gives them a chance to win quality Power 5 games going forward. And I think realistically, you know, they're going to need a non-conference Power 5 win, I think, um, to be able to, to have that cachet, and, you know, if, 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 to get that sixth win in terms of being more attractive to a bowl that maybe is a little bit better than if, you know, they, they beat a MAC team per se. I'm sure you'll see some MAC teams on the schedule. Um, Rutgers has had kind of a mixed history against the MAC, but, but I, I, I like what they've done. I think Shiano will continue it. Um, I think that uh, obviously they'll look for, you know, one game every year that, that they can pretty much uh, guarantee. But I think that, you know, where they've scheduled out, I can see Chiano kind of sticking with that philosophy. Um, and I think really the key for them, you know, you touched on the, the East, it's, it's Maryland and Indiana. They have to be better than Maryland and Indiana. Uh, you need those two wins each year. You need those crossover wins, um, you know, at least one crossover win against the West. Um, but I think, I, I think they can get there. I think that, uh, obviously biased, but I think the way Rutgers is set up, the athletic department, you know, is more aligned than they've ever been. People are more committed. I mean, I, I don't know if you're aware, but you know, when the Shiano deal first fell through, we've never had the fan base react the way they have. There was a campaign. I know it's small potatoes in perspective, but to have fans pledge $400,000 to donate to the program, if he's hired, um, you know, for Rutgers, that was a big deal. Um, you know, they're, they're getting more and more donations than they ever have. They just built the $5 million locker room. They're going to redo the football center. They're, they're more tapped in uh, and committed to winning and to investing. And that was a big part of Shiano's kind of uh, demand in coming back. So I think that full buy-in is there like it's never been there before. I think uh, the biggest criticism of Rutgers joining the Big Ten is, you know, they were thrilled to do it and were ill-prepared uh, Ill to do it as well. There was no planning. Facilities were, you know, very dated. Um, so I think that Big Ten, you know, in fairness to Big Ten fans, they haven't seen Rutgers' potential because they were never in that position to, to, um, 
fulfill it, where I think that they're getting a lot closer to being there. And I think Shiano's experience at Ohio State is huge in terms of helping the program get there, just from in terms of off the field, what's needed, the alignment that's needed, um, the promotion, uh, the, the buy-in with boosters, and, and um, he has everyone's support. So I, I really do think that if anyone can, can bust through the glass ceiling, um, and, and uh, you know, Shiano had a couple years where he surprised and, you know, they, they won 10-11 games. So who knows? But I think the consistency of being a, a, a middle-of-the-pack, uh, you know, credible Big Ten team is, is certainly attainable. Um, and anything more than that, I, I think, is possible. But um, to be honest, you know, and I said this, and I've been criticized for it, but, you know, the, what we've lived through the last few years, if, if he got them to that for a decade, you really can't complain as a Rutgers fan. I don't think that's a loser mentality. That's just the fact that, you know, how bad things have been, um, you know, getting them to six to eight wins a year really would be, you know, uh, um, quite, quite an accomplishment when they were basically left for dead. Absolutely. Yeah. And I would compare it similarly to Bill Snyder out at Kansas State, where the second time around, it took a year to, to really get back into it. But then four or five years into it, he was able to put together teams that were competing for, for Big 12 and, and national titles for, for a short span. So you, you believe if everything breaks right for Rutgers, maybe five, six, seven years down the road, they can be, they have the ceiling to be a Big 10 contender? I, 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 think, I think so. I think, um, listen, you know, the, the top 10 guys in New Jersey every year go to all the best schools in the country. So, you know, as he builds credibility, um, you know, as the recruiting gets better and better, uh, hopefully, uh, I, I think he has the potential to do it. You know, I don't think it's a guarantee by any means. I don't think it'll be a consistent thing. But, but I would be surprised when Shiano leaves if they didn't have at least one season where they seriously challenged um, for the East Division title. Um, everything would have to break right for them. Um, but I think he's, like I said, when you, when you get to the 6-8 win level year after year, more like 7-8-9, um, you know, you're going to have a year where things break right for you. And I, th I think that, it, you know, uh, he's shown a knack for uh, being, being able to capitalize on that. So I, I, I think that they will. Again, I don't think consistently, you know, you're going to be able to compete with those three programs you mentioned. Penn State, Ohio State, Michigan. But, you know, there's going to be years where one of them's down. We've seen it not too far, you know, a few years ago, both Penn State and Michigan were down. So um, in the same year. So, you know, college football is all about parity, and I think it's possible. But um, like I said, if, if, if Rutgers can be, you know, th uh, fourth and fifth in the Big Ten East and win two crossover games, win a Power Five non-conference game, you know, you're six, seven, eight wins right there. So I think that that's certainly – uh, should be the goal, at least for the first five years. Okay. Realistically, how long do you think it takes to get back to a bowl game? I think year three, they'll challenge for it. I think it's, um, you know, I, th I th think at a minimum year four, they need to be back in a bowl. I think it's possible year three. Just like you said, with all the transfers they brought in, and I think you're going to see more of it next year too. Um, I think he's going to upgrade the roster quicker than people think that he could have. And I think that you're going to have, you know, a lot of hungry recruits that are going to get an opportunity to play right away. So I think, again, identity, uh, philosophy, uh, those two things Shiano's going to bring to the program. So I, I think by year three, they'll be challenging for a bowl. And I think by year four, they need to be in a bowl. And I, but I think it's possible they might be there in year three. Okay. 
Uh, speaking of recruits, who are just a couple guys to keep an eye on from either last year's class or this year's upcoming class? Yeah, well, I mean, they're, they're one four-star recruit. Kyrie Banton is an offensive linebacker uh, from uh, Newark. And, uh, you know, he was recruited by, by a lot of Power 5 schools. I think he's going to be uh, the type of athletic, versatile guy that Shiano's going to use in multiple ways and really has a chance to flourish. Um, you know, and he's got a, a guy, Sean Griffin, from St. Joe's, uh, which is a, a traditionally very good school, big guy, 6'4". Um, he's going to have an opportunity to play in the defensive line pretty quickly. Uh, so I really like uh, what he brings to the table. And then just farther down the rankings, you know, there's a guy, Henry Hughes, another defensive end from Florida, 6'5", huge uh, um, size. Uh, he'll be able to play right away. And then uh, a local guy, Al Shahidi Salam, um, is a real speedy guy. He was kind of under-recruited. I think they'll find a way to, to get him offensively uh, pretty quickly, um, you know, in the next couple of years. So uh, I think the class, you know, th that he's bringing in or that's committed right now, they're all going to stick. And I think they're all getting sold, too, on the opportunity to have, have playing time right away. So Chiano loves to get young guys involved on special teams. Special teams is going to be much improved unit right away. Um, you know, I, I don't know if people remember this, but when he was in charge, you know, they led the country in blocks every year. I think over a 10-year span, Rutgers had 42 blocks. Uh, so, again, it's an identity, uh, something they haven't had in a while. Um, but I think, uh, you know, he's got a lot of high upside three-star guys that obviously they're not all going to work out. But again, I think he's bringing in versatile guys um, with more speed and more size than Rutgers has had in a long time. It definitely seems like there was more of that focus for NFL caliber size and bodies. Uh, a big uh, a recruit that I'm a big fan of just from the, the brief overview that uh, I was doing with Rutgers was uh, offensive tackler, offensive tackle, Tyler Needham uh, out of Pennsylvania. I think he just recently committed. Uh, he did. Can you, can you talk a little bit about Needham? Yeah, he's a guy with, you know, multiple power five um, uh, offers. He's actually from New Jersey, but he, uh, he goes to a charter school in, in Philadelphia. Uh, so he is a local guy. Uh, he's got great size, and the offensive line needs a ton of work. And uh, although it typically takes, you know, guys uh, on the offensive line a few years to break through, I think he's a guy that they're going to give an opportunity to right away. Um, you know, they have another guy, a left tackle right now, uh, Raekwon O'Neal um, from South Carolina, who, who got thrown into the fire. He's very talented, very big guy. But I think Needham is going to have a similar opportunity to, you know, potentially um, maybe not start, but play right away. Uh, he's 6'5". He's he needs to add some size. Um, but he, he really has the ability to be a dominating offensive lineman. Um, be able to, to get that push. And, uh, you know, I think he, he has uh, – he's also versatile in that, you know, it's not just uh, pass protection, but in the run game too. So I, I think he was a great get uh, and, and a little bit of a sleeper um, and someone that, you know, uh, I think based on the situation with the pandemic committed earlier than necessarily he would have, I think he would have generated a lot more offers if junior camps would have happened this summer. Mm -hmm. He's actually someone that I think uh, – brings a lot of the versatility because he also has very prototypical guard size where yeah. if maybe the the athleticism doesn't pick up with the weight he can be a very solid uh, um, above average big 10 caliber guard on the interior which right now 
would definitely upgrade their line. Definitely. Definitely. I, I think that's the key. I think, you know, getting guys that, you know, could play more than one position, um, you know, and I, th- I, I think that's a, he's a great example of that. Okay, cool. Well, uh, anything else for me, Aaron? No, I appreciate uh, you having me on. I mean, I think uh, from a Michigan fan perspective, I know, I know Rutgers has given them plenty of reason to, to laugh at them for the last few years. Um, but they also I really... beat us, so you can't laugh too hard. Well, I, I, I think that uh, I, I think that you're you know certainly going to see a more competitive team in the future, and I think uh, you know teams like Michigan are going to be happy also because you know you, you, uh, and I know uh, James Franklin's not afraid to complain about this, but you know you you want uh, them their win over Rutgers to mean something, right? You don't mm-hmm. want a team that's an embarrassment uh, and bringing down uh, all the the metrics and all that. So. I think, you know, the, the top teams in the Big Ten, those fan bases will be happy that, you know, Rutgers will be more competitive and, and more respectable. Um, and, I, you know, I really look forward to the future uh, and see what Rutgers can do against Michigan year three and four of Shiano. Absolutely. We'll, uh, we'll have to have you back on uh, during the season, during the uh, Rutgers-Michigan game, just for a uh, little midway checkpoint. But uh, looking forward to it, Aaron. Thank you so much for having me. I look forward to that, too. And uh, good luck uh, the season ahead. Absolutely. Thanks for coming on and stay safe out in Jersey. Okay. You too. Bye. Bye. Bye.